Hi and welcome to 21st Century Saints, our podcast and live stream series for members and those affiliated with or adjacent to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints here in the United Kingdom and around the world. Now I'm flying, at, starting out flying solo tonight because my co-hosts, who I'm sure will pop up in the chat just shortly, uh, we have Ruth who's uh, headed off to an evening at the races, so I hope she's having a wonderful time, and Sarah who's living her best life looking after her grandchildren and uh, they are adorable and I love boundaries I love that uh, yeah we know how to prioritize here so um this is going to be a really interesting subject tonight it's one that's very very close to my heart it's one that I'm hoping we'll get a lot of discussion about in the chat we are uh, in very, very different places in this audience. Uh, some people have left the church. Some people are still uh, trying to make it work or are quite happily. It works very well in their lives. Um, but there are, there are some things that we all deal with, uh, no matter where we are. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about church, specifically church anxiety tonight. So um, I am hearing that my... Uh, signal might not be the best so hopefully if I just kind of try and close down the rest of the tabs okay if if the audience can you let me know how it how it goes and hopefully hopefully things will settle down the joys of live streaming um so while um we're trying to figure this out and while we're hoping that it all settles down I want to just uh, shout out a couple of messages before we bring on my uh, one of our favourite guests. If we're going to talk about uncomfortable subjects, oh, and everything's got better. Okay, that's fantastic. So I think I think I was asking my laptop to do way too much. Um, if we talk about uncomfortable subjects, uh, we have someone fantastic to. Uh, if I'm feeling comfortable, a really good person in our lives is the wonderful David Shepherd, who does fantastic work in this space. So he's going to join us in a moment. But before he does, I uh, need to do a quick bit of housekeeping. First of all, donors, you have allowed us to do so much, and uh, the especially recurring donations that are coming in every month, we are so thankful. I know that you're aware that we put your donations to very, very good use. It's allowed us to keep people safe. It allows us to have these tough conversations. And it allows us to have these fun conversations and all in all, hopefully make this uh, a healthier space. So thank you for that. And uh, for those of you who, uh, who are thinking about donating, we have a donor box link. We, uh, you can go to our website and donate from there. Um, and also you can now send, uh, send us a super chat, uh, which I have never used before that we, we're in a new position to. So hopefully if that works, uh, we can, you know, we, I will be able to bring your comment and screen and thank you properly in real time, which will be really nice for us to be able to do. So thank you if you're thinking about donating. If you find this content valuable and you're not in a position to make a donation, just know that we really appreciate you. And if you want to share our work or uh, send us a message, if there's anything you'd like to discuss further, or even if you need us to talk about something specific, then please do reach out because your feedback means the world. This episode specifically, um, we think is going to uh, we think it's going to do a lot of good. 
Now, while I'm mentioning, you can go to the website and make a donation. I would also like you to know that our website is currently undergoing a little bit of a little bit of a facelift. She's she was a bit tired looking. She was doing a great job, but you know what? She she wanted a revamp. So we we are we are remodeling her. And uh, there are some new sections in the website, some of it's still under construction. So go take a look around, but uh, don't forget to come back because there's lots still to go on there. Um, there is also a store section in our website. So if you would like uh, some merch, uh, a t-shirt, a tote, uh, we have some really, really cool stuff on there for you. Um, now with the, the section of the website, just know please that... Uh, it's not perfect yet. It's a little bit messy and finding products isn't the easiest thing to do. So yeah, we're in a, we're in a pretty big transition phase right now. We have a lot to do. Um, but please do give us your feedback if you can, if you're aware of any improvements that we could make. A uh, really important thing that we want to let you know before we start. And that was the big news that we had announced last week. So many of you have got in touch and had um and had asked about the safeguarding changes that are happening here in the United Kingdom, uh, that, that we're in this, this wonderful transition phase of implementing policies which are just the beginning of a safeguarding journey. How does that happen in your area, wherever you are in the world? So what we decided to do was to organise a a bit of a, a bit of a conference. So we're organising a, a safeguarding training workshop if you want to sign up uh we have a zoom link now that currently uh, is only posted i think on our facebook page so you may have to go and have a look but we will get it across the website and uh, we'll promote it a little bit more fully across our sites as we go um it's on september the 10th and uh, all you have to do is completely free if you think you might want to uh do something in your area or just see who else is interested in doing some work or just learn a little bit about how you can advocate um, for really important things, for safeguarding changes to, to keep uh, vulnerable children, vulnerable adults safe. Um, we're going to tell you what we've learned. Uh, we've also got some really exciting people lined up to speak at that workshop. So if you can make it, uh, just yeah, go check out on our Facebook page at the moment and we'll post it wherever. But we would love to have you join us. We're working very, very hard on that right now. So with that, and thank you for all the comments so far. And especially thank you, uh, Catherine, for being our first ever Super Chat. We really appreciate you. I feel quite excited. Um, I had no idea what that would look like. Isn't it pretty? Um, so we really appreciate you. Thank you so much on behalf of all of the team here at 21st Century Saints. Now, we are ready to have this conversation. I'm going to bring on to chat the wonderful David Shepherd. David, it's great to have you with us tonight. Do you want to say hey to the audience? Hello, thanks for having me. Excited we to be here. Really appreciate the, the work that you do. Would you mind, uh, if it's okay, giving our audience a little bit of your, your background just to sort of reintroduce uh, what it is you do and how you're connected with Mormonism? Sure. Um, so, yeah, my name's David Shepherd. Um, I'm a qualified counsellor, therapist, whatever you want to say. Um, and yeah, I've been in practice um, now for sort of 
year and a half, two two years, are very much on the beginning part part of that journey, really. Um, but but yeah, I've um, connected to Mormonism. I was raised um, in the LDS Church and was a member um, till about I was twenty three um, and had a sort of started my own sort of faith transition, faith journey, which um, ultimately. Uh, led me to question some things and um i eventually stopped attending and, and left the church um but with all of that i'm still very as you know it it it, it never leaves and that the connection to the to the world of um of, of mormonism is it's something that's remained remained interesting and the people i still you know love very much and yeah, it's it's really exciting just when you're talking about all the changes um, yeah. that are being made specifically in the UK as well. It just it's it's wonderful. Definitely, and this, do you know what? I don't care who you are. The subject of Mormonism is bloody fascinating. There's so oh, yeah. many interesting things to talk about. Um, you know, e even if you you know don't actively practice, it's just re really fascinating. And I think your perspectives. Um, are really going to help tonight. This is, um, again, if you are in the chat and if you have anything specific you would like to ask David, um, we, we are going to talk about it. Um, but I want to frame tonight's discussion. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to talk a little bit about Sarah. And I hope, I, I know she's okay with this. I know she's absolutely fine with this. But I've been super aware that as a friend, um, I am, so I, I have experienced church anxiety when I get to go but I don't get to go to church that often um so seeing how Sarah's been engaging has has been I don't know I guess, I guess I've been kind of experiencing it through through her and maybe for her um so Sarah's engagement with church you know kind of looks like just she will respond to her needs if she's going to go to church she'll go to church and it, I think it kind of looked like maybe about once a month something like that a couple of times a month um until she recently received her calling as a as a safe a stake safeguarding specialist which is super important to her and it's something that she's very very passionate about but it's meant that she's having to you know directly engage with church more than she initially had planned for her own self-care so it's led us to have lots of conversations about church anxiety when it starts you know so we're having the conversation how early in the the week do you start experiencing it is it the saturday night is it is it from the friday night because the saturday's the just the trigger because that's preparation day um and and we know that this is super common for latter-day saints to experience now this doesn't necessarily mean um, as I'm sure we all know, that there's some underlying reason that someone actually really wants to leave the church. People can be very comfortable in their church experience um, and yet experience church anxiety. So could you maybe speak a little bit to that? Um, why would someone experience church anxiety in a place that they want to be? Um, I think that, that, you know, whether you're a, a you're a new member or you're someone who's who's been in the sort of the church for a long time um and just being a part of a group being a part of a, a a culture means that there's you know there there are values and there are expectations around what 
I suppose, you know, it, in the framework of Mormonism, you know, what being a um, active, you know, words like activity, um, worthiness, um, you know, just feeling like you're on the right path, the covenant path, um, just to, denotes that there, there's a lot of, of expectations. So, you know, depending on how sensitive we are to, to those um, can really have an impact on us. You know, what what does it look like from the outside to be um, a Mormon to in our members' eyes or to, um, to, to our fellow saints when we go to Sunday? Um, I'm, I'm not in this position at the moment because I, I, I don't attend, but I, you know, when I hear stories about this idea that when, you know, for example, when families are getting their kids ready and they're just screaming at the kids, hurry up, you know, we need to get ready and we need to... And then this feeling of that where they describe, you know, feeling a need to present in a certain way and pre to present in the way that they maybe you know uh, imagine that other people would expect them to be and what, what what feels acceptable to people and you know feeling accepted is is a really important part of just of living in and connecting with other people if we don't feel yeah. accepted um our threat levels get higher and those those anxieties around well, what does it mean if I don't feel included or accepted or understood or heard or you know insert insert word here mm. um you know that, that that starts spiraling and it's very easy to then just for that to, to go from one thing to the next until it becomes very uncomfortable and we just don't really know how quite to be we have a, a, a just a superb question in the chat here, and it's actually, you know, what what I think a, a, an active church member who's who feels quite happy, who maybe wouldn't recognise any any experience of of threat, would would maybe describe themselves as feeling accepted. I mean, I, I have to say, I go and and I feel accepted. I feel loved. I you know, I, I don't feel judged. I'm very very lucky. There are good people that I can reach out to. I think we can feel a couple of things at the same time. You know, I, I can also feel that, you know, I'm the fringy one or the, you know, the the person that's going to have to say the comment that no one else is going to say. Um, initially, we, I think, often go down that immediate road of it's me. If I feel uncomfortable, it's because there's something not right within me either I've done something I'm feeling something but I'm out of um what would you call that out of sort of sync with the spirit it, yeah that the, there's there's some kind of disharmony happening. yeah yeah you, because the thing the thing is if you're not worried that, that someone else isn't judging you you're probably worried that you know you, you yourself are going to be judging yourself because you know you can go to church and, just, and still Ooh. feel like I'm I yeah. I am not acceptable even even to myself so you, you you're naturally going to feel more uncomfortable while feeling that way and having to again present in a in a certain way to other people and also our relationship with God you know if we don't feel acceptable to God or or accepted or you know if we're feeling indebted or you know that we we need to be repentant, hypocritical. Get all of those feelings just create this this idea that we of discomfort within within ourselves and, and our faith, and it hits our self esteem. What happens when our self esteem mm. goes down? Anxiety probably goes up. What about 
um, when a, a faith framework is working really well. And, and I think the ideal is that a person would go to church and maybe feel some level of discomfiture in that, yeah, you know, I need to improve on that or or this is something I would like to work on in my life. Um, it, it's a time of sort of self-reflection and, and uh, we want to move towards improvement and this is partly recognising that, being part of a community process of... Um, of what repentance looks like. If if it worked really, really well, how can I know whether it it's me? It, should I be feeling anxious about you know it, how do I know if it's guilt and you know that it's not actually um something that I should be feeling? Where is it healthy? Where does it go into unhealthy? Okay. So what what comes to mind with that is that it's where it gets a bit complicated because right. it, 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 it depends on how we frame our feelings and emotions. So for example, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't coin the phrase, but, but you know, when, when people talk about there being, there's no good or bad emotions, there are just emotions, you know, whether that's anger or sadness or uh, confusion or happiness, um, a challenge that, that can sometimes happen within sort of religious frameworks is the idea that if I'm living a certain way and doing the things, you know, if I'm kind of hitting those marks, then the the should word appears, I should be happy. Yes. Um, which then complicates things because if you feel like you should be happy, but you're not, or you should be content or, you know, I shouldn't be feeling certain things. If you ascribe um, uh, a negative um, outlook to anger, for example, um, which you can see sometimes with, you know, in, again, in the religious frame, frameworks of, uh, I don't know, the uh, contention is of the devil, you know, that, you know, if you're quick to anger, you know, you're, it, it creates this image of you that's, again, you're not maybe living as you should be, or, mm -hmm. you know, there's something kind of wrong with you. But if, if you take the moral question out of it, which is a difficult ask, um, sometimes, if you remove the moral side of it and, and just acknowledge that this is how I'm feeling in the moment, and what are those feelings telling me about the situation? Um, if, if feelings are used as, as a kind of a, a compass, a way to be able to guide um, how we experience the world, not in the sense of, um, I feel this way, therefore this must be the case, or this must be true. But just to be able to take stock and and understand, okay, I'm feeling anger in this moment towards this person or whatever I'm in this situation at church, I feel like something is arising in me and I'm trying to understand what that is. And if there's if there's a way of being able to kind of break that down a little bit and understand what where that's kind of coming from, what are the boundaries that are maybe being crossed in that moment? Um, are there values that I I want to be living in my life, but that in these situations I find it really difficult to 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 live those. Um, all of that can that can create all sorts of you know difficult feelings, and it's okay to feel them but if you're connecting those feelings to ideas like you know if I'm feeling angry towards someone, it, that must mean that I can't I don't have the spirit with me. Well, then that's a problem because now you're you're feeling a certain thing but you're making it about you 
you're making it about something that you've done wrong and a feeling is just the feeling is just the feeling um so that's where it can get it complicated with people's relationship with, with with what the spirit feels like to them and how they interpret those those feelings is that does that come from me does it come from the spirit yeah. does that come from you know satan you know depending right. on what you're talking about um, I, I feel like I'm almost working these questions backwards because that's leading me to ask from your experience seeing um, how membership in the church works now with your therapeutic eyes, did, do you see that everyone feels the spirit in the same way or, you, you know, those feelings that, that we understand to be the spirit? Um, does it look different for everyone or are we looking for, is it because my expectations are I should feel this? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, thinking back to, you know, just when you learn about what, what, what the spirit is, at least within kind of scripture, you know, there's the, I can't, I cannot give you quotes, but, you know, things like the, where you look at the fruits of the spirit and how, um, you know, that's patience and, you know, love unfeigned and charity and, and sort of things like that. There's that aspect of it. So if something look ha, has a look of this, then that's of God, um, which is a sort of a looser definition. But it can get quite tight as well with things like, you know, I feel a swelling, you know, emotional sensation in, you know, in cert at certain times or in certain situations. Um, so I, I could not possibly comment on how people feel the spirit. It feels like a very yeah. individual experience i guess what i'm what i'm wondering is uh, and i'm just really wondering out loud um what would it look like if we were taught to break down what that is because if if we're taught that the spirit is something that we feel it's, it's likely to be something sort of external um if we could recognize okay this feeling at this moment i am feeling love for my community I'm feeling uh, a reciprocity uh, if or if in this moment I am feeling compassion and empathy and uh, you know and all of those things absolutely can be the spirit if, if you if we want to define it in those terms mm -hmm. or you, you know um, as, as sort of you mentioned that enlarging that sort of swelling I'm feeling um, emotional stimulation or spiritual stimulation I, I wonder what it would be like if we broke it down and actually had a language for what we're just going to umbrella define as the spirit because then when I don't feel that, that when something doesn't feel right I don't necessarily have a language to explain what that is yeah and and a more frustrating question i guess that can come from that is that if if i feel uncomfortable with something is that suggesting that i am wrong and that i need to rethink how i'm processing something and that i need to be more aligned with this you know mm. and you know I'll, I'll use the example of the um you know the the recent uh, policy changes within the uh, within the UK, um, you know, to 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 many people, you know, their discomfort with the situation of um, bishops' interviews and people's lived experiences um, would denote to to many people that there's a problem here. You know, there's a problem structurally within the system that le leaves me feeling deeply uncomfortable. 
um, in some cases, yeah, you know that you're put in situations that are um, that can be quite quite destructive at times. Um, so where do you go with that? You know, do you does this discomfort inside me mean that I am wrong, or the situation that I've found myself in is wrong, and that there there needs to be reform? You know, people. Uh, I think I sort of think of the um, the the suffragettes as well. You know, the idea that people, women, recognise the need to be able to have autonomy in their own lives. That they they needed a voice. They they needed to be mm-hmm. able to make choices for themselves. They needed to be able to support their family without being without fearing about losing a husband or you know being in, a, in an abusive situation. You know that that anger that they had about the mistreatment that they experienced spurred them into action, which caused the positive change. Um, so I, I guess, the useful thing about being able to be attuned to our to our feelings is to just understand what they are trying to tell us, and to not necessarily ascribe that to other people. You know, as individuals, I mean, we, you know, the, there's the belief in personal revelation. If we could really apply that to ourselves and think, how do I feel in this situation? Is this an experience that that needs to be this way, or can I shift gears? Can I can I move this around in a way where I feel comfortable? And I think sometimes that's where you might experience the discomfort at church because there's a way of doing things, there's a way of looking, there's a way of sounding. There's vocabulary that that we use in church. There's there are so many unwritten, you know, unwritten rules and un, un, unwritten ways of interacting with, with each other that you don't even realize until you're on the fringes. You don't even realize there's a weirdness or there's a difference because you're you're you know you're aligned with it. The moment you step out of it, you realize how how uncomfortable that is. And when you try to explain that to someone else. Again, the, the, it can be often that the assumption is made, well, you, you know, you just need to rethink it. But maybe that isn't the case. And maybe it's okay to take more time to mm. follow what we feel to be right and not just go along with whatever the present culture is at the time. I, I feel like some of this definitely comes from me delegating my values to the ones that are handed to me, the ones that the, the church tells me are my values. So that um, you know, I remember I was talking about just just a, you know last year that um, I don't even know what my values are. Are, are they my values? Are they someone else's values? So if someone is bumping up against those values, or if I'm acting in a way that that isn't congruent with them, I don't even know that I can recognise it because I haven't you know identified what's important to me so i'd like to i'd like to come to like so catherine has just has shared a a few fantastic comments on the website and i on the on the chat and i feel like this this is almost sort of the dictionary i think definition of what uh church anxiety feels like and you know in this this first one uh, i experienced anxiety starting with my lesson preparations because i wanted to continue being a part of 
the Central Ward community. But I didn't want to be a testimony when I didn't know or believe anymore. So, you know, that that sort of that timing um, is really interesting. So from when you're actually preparing the lesson, what what would be what would be happening in that moment? Because we're home, we're safe. We're what's happening with our minds? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm you know I'm happy to hear sort of more from Catherine with yeah. I don't want to put sort of word, words in in her mouth, but I'm I'm imagining that you know when when I when I read the comment, I'm I suppose I'm drawn to the the idea that. There's an expectation, for example, that at the end of uh, a talk or, you know, at the end of a lesson, we're encouraged to bear our testimony at the end. You know, that that is just a that's a standard thing that you're not you're not necessarily told. I mean, I'm sure it's probably in teaching manuals and stuff to, you know, encourage the, the teachers to, to do a certain thing. But even culturally, even without that, there's this sense that. You know, not only am I teaching about things that, you know, that this is what the, the lesson's on, but I need to, I need to bring myself into that in a way. You you, you can't yeah. have that kind of distance of of you know, I'm, I'm presenting. This is the belief. This is this is what we're taught. These are the quotes. That this is how we can maybe apply this to our lives. Um, but all of that is with with the assumption that you're fully on board with everything, and if you're not what does that imply about you as the teacher you know what does that imply about the church if you're not on board I didn't I mean it's even as I'm reading it from Catherine I I I know this I didn't make that connection ever in my whole entire life until you're explaining that oh my goodness uh, thank you Catherine um yeah yeah it, it's us it's our whole and and of course as we're closing it it's that yeah we we have to confirm we have to sign to say we agree almost um mm -hmm. Catherine then goes on to say uh, eventually I was open about researching things which meant member friends offered to help and offered materials but then there was a people-pleasing pressure to tell them that they helped me. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on thoughts on that? Um, I love the opening think, up. Like you're starting to say it out loud. Like, yeah, this is this is kind of tough. Yeah, um, it, it, it is. So what what comes to my mind with you know with any kind of um, we appreciate. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I, when when I know that someone has tried to help me with anything, take church out of it. If if I know that someone is trying to help me, you know, if I'm struggling in my own mental health, and I know that there's someone who's, you know, they're really they're really pulling for me, and they're, you know, they're trying to say things or or do things that make me feel better. Um, I re, you know, I I I can really appreciate it, but it might not have the desired effect that that's mm. coming to me, and there's a feeling of. Uh, maybe rescuing that can come out on, on my part as well which is why I don't want them to feel disheartened I don't want them to think you know maybe in, in Catherine's case I, I, the idea that I if they don't feel like they're helping me is that going to impact them negatively is that going to mean that are they going to question their own commitment are they going to start having these these difficult experiences because of me because I'm I'm not you know, I'm not having the the right response at the right time, and you know, we it, it, part of it is that taking responsibility for how someone else is reacting to things. You know, when it 
you know, I have to remind myself of this. You know, if someone is is trying to help, you know, uh, I try to, 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 you know, show my appreciation for it and everything. And you know, but it might not, it might not happen the way they want it to happen, and that's okay. And it's okay for them to feel disappointed about it and feel like, oh, you know, maybe there's something else that could happen. That's okay. I'm not. I'm. I'm not in the nicest way possible. I'm not responsible for how that person reacts to me because I can only do what I can do in this situation. I can't. There's nothing mm. in addition. I can't make myself feel better, you know. But I can. Maybe I can show appreciation that that person has thought about me and that they're, you know, they appreciate the time that they've taken to try to understand me better. This is baking my noodle. <laughs> because I am I honestly I guess I'm just not used to really really drilling down and thinking about this because okay as we were talking about um Catherine's fantastic comment and I'm going to bring the third part up in a second um my assumption when I'm reading that is that the people um who are um offering help and materials are offering the kind of help and materials that that maybe you would offer, or the uh, our buddy Nemo the Mormon would offer, or my <laughs> pal Ruth would offer. I'm like, yeah. my assumption is they're going to give you something that's going to help, <laughs> like actually help. No, no, we're probably talking about conference talks, and um, and so, <laughs> um, this uh, this this final part, I carefully chose my words to thank them for their care and for the materials. How kind are you? I told them I'd read or listen and that I really appreciated that they took the time to connect with me. Yeah. You are lovely. Yeah, that's that's a really... Responding in that way is, is super help, helpful, in my opinion. Yeah, because, I also... Because it, it, take, it takes the... You're you're showing that you understand you're you're understanding where it's coming from, and that and that's sort of the point um, that this goes perilously close to a different situation, which I'm sure we can address as well. Which is that um, if that depending on what that help looks like, you know, if it's sharing a talk or or something like that, that you know that might be something that's a bit more innocuous and. It might not be helpful at all. It might be a really rubbish talk that you don't connect with, and it's completely the wrong thing. Uh-huh. But it could be something that's a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more, um, you know, someone's trying to help with something. It might come across as patronising or a bit thoughtless. You know, like mm-hmm. they're not. There's not a, a lot of empathy that feels like that that's happening. So that you know, they yeah. might end up feeling judged or. Exactly. I think it's the empathy thing for me because even hearing that, um, you know, I, I feel like I want to poke the person in the eye who would have the audacity <laughs> to do that to Catherine. Yeah. And but I'm sure the motivation was absolutely lovely. It's just, yeah. I guess, what I'm thinking is what a person might be experiencing is that's how you see me. Mm. You feel, and and I think the other part of it is here's a cut and paste talk this isn't what you think this isn't something that's really tailored to my needs and and I know for all of the talks that exist out there and there's a lot of them mm-hmm. but I you know I, and I can say as an individual I know there still does not exist one single talk that is completely tailored to my needs they, they all require I do I do the work and and that's that's okay mm-hmm. but you know 
you could tailor it to my needs. You could, you could say something that is just for me and nobody else if you really want to comfort me and, or help me maybe have a conversation. Maybe could, could we talk about that? What? I, I don't know. I, I... Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you, I think from what I hear you, you're kind of speaking to that idea partially of being seen. You know, yeah, I want I want yeah. to feel seen in my struggle. I don't I don't want to be blamed for whatever I'm going through. I just you know and, and you know to even communicate that I'm not even looking for answers. I'm not mm. looking for a fix. You know, with this situation, I just want people to know that this is really hard. I'm really wrestling with this. I feel I feel uncomfortable in these situations at church, and you know, rather than that. You know, which I understand that there's that an issue with with the culture sometimes, and and just with the institution itself. If, if if there's any if there's any whiff of a threat, if there's any whiff of disagreement, then that suddenly puts you in a category where you're on the outside, and that you're, you know, that there's an angle that you're trying to make. Whereas it could be that your only angle is to express discomfort. I don't mm. feel comfortable in this situation. I. I don't want to be in this situation because of of, of how I'm feeling. Um, and and I think ultimately I feel like um, I mean I'm joking about I, I really did think it would be something helpful or some really interesting mm-hmm. cool material that we can get our teeth into and have a really good discussion about. Um, why why can't that be the case? Why you know wouldn't it be wonderful if um, you didn't need support? or a conference talk because you're reading material that is my my favorite thing is when someone is arriving in that space I can say look this is really tough I know that you're gonna you know that this there might be some really challenging times ahead mm-hmm. but the water can be lovely there is so much to talk about the you and we're you're gonna be thinking you're gonna be you know really diving into how you feel about this space and what your testimony is really about wouldn't that be wonderful if we could meet each other in those discussions rather than oh let me let me give you something that will fix this yeah. <laughs> make you feel better like not stick plasters on everything yes yeah. yeah it so it, it speaks to a couple of um issues one is a human issue and one is a human issue seen through the mormon lens so you know for example um human beings aren't, aren't aren't particularly great at sitting in discomfort you know if we are feeling uncomfortable or vulnerable or or anything like that we will try to get away from that feeling as quick as possible understandably because it's not pleasant you know we don't want to remain in in those sorts of spaces but we're also uncomfortable when there's someone who is you know struggling near us you know if someone is in in pain if it's physical pain or or emotional pain that that sense you know it's kind of bringing us into the we're suddenly brought into their world we suddenly feel like there's a responsibility there we need to act we need to we need to do something and that feeling is understandable because we don't like the idea of anyone being in pain but like we know there are some things that can't just be you know with the click of a finger sorted Mm -hmm. out and in the on those occasions you know, sometimes it's just nice to be heard and it's just nice to have yeah. someone just, you know, take the time to, to listen to how we're feeling and just and to sit with that and that and that be it. And I think within the 
the reason why I think it's it can be especially difficult in in Mormonism is because um, if if any of those feelings you know of discomfort you know whether it's about a certain belief you know how someone feels about polygamy or um, how you know I feel uncomfortable with that with you know there's, there's something about the bishop or the eldest quorum president or relief society president that makes me feel unsettled and I don't really like to be around them um, <laughs> that if there's a challenge to that if, if you're voicing it or you're bringing it out into the open it's assuming there's something wrong it's assuming there's something wrong with the system which then by default means that you know there's someone not I guess you know receive the right you know revelation is, is someone who's been put in this position they're supposed to be cool of God but yeah I'm seeing something that is very much not yeah not godly and and it then so from what again seems like quite an innocuous thing becomes a real challenge to something very entrenched and deeply set in, in someone's identity the moment anything mm. to do with the church is challenged it, it can then be felt very quickly as as a direct attack yeah do you, so do you know can't tolerate those spaces Maybe because I feel like we're always like one step away from safeguarding because it's always <laughs> it's yes. what we're dealing with every day. Yeah. But, I mean, and this is going to lead into um, the the next comment I'm going to read from from Angie, which is just superb. Actually, I'm going to let you sit with the comment for a minute while, I, and I'll share in a second. But Angie says, in any group, I sometimes feel like the little boy in the emperor's new clothes. Do I shout out or do I lose who I am in? Uh, who I am in conformity, which I think is just a superb thing for us to discuss. Um, but I, I wanted to, to sort of maybe maybe connect those two ideas also a little bit. We've been speaking to so many people who have talked about their discomfort in what seems like very uh, simple social interactions in church um, of shaking hands, of hugging, of um, just how people physically touch and how they haven't wanted that and the things that they have to put themselves through, the questions they ask themselves about why they don't want that. Is there a moral judgment about the person? Or maybe it is because they feel really, really uncomfortable um, with that person touching them. And, and, and I just think it's really interesting that it, we're actually analyzing what's happening in our minds rather than be able to create a boundary of I just don't really want to want to you know you wouldn't go to work and be be hugging everybody in sight necessarily but you have closer people who you may or may not um and I you know Sarah and I had heard um you know just just a while back this fantastic description of how for um for a couple of people it felt like they had to get past the uh, the ward greeter the person who would who would hold the door open mm. uh, because you you have to provide a hug before you are allowed to go into church and if you don't provide that hug uh, or, or let's extend that that hug that handshake that that smile even then what is it you're saying about me and and that actually often is is said too so anyway what do we do what about what about conformity and and seeing what what we're experiencing or what we're seeing yeah it's a it's a, it's a good question and, and and yeah it's difficult because different cultures have different norms and 
you know values and expectations and like you alluded to earlier if there's a sense what i don't even really know my own how the yeah. hell are you going to be able to enforce or, or present a boundary to someone that you know that's making it quite clear that you know that's not just something i'm, I'm comfortable with um well, because the group will create the boundaries. The group will tell me when something's happening that's not quite right, or other people will shout out. What happens, you know, like, like Angie, you see, for me, if um, because I, I generally, that's not true. I, I inherently want to be the person who waits, and I'm looking for signs from the group that there's something amiss, and then I can respond. But obviously in church, the hard work becomes when you are the person who actually is having to say, because you're very aware of who's listening and what harm could be caused by you not saying something or or that you just don't want to be agreeing by by not speaking out. Um, yeah. for, for me um, and for so many people in this space, um, <laughs> do you shout out or lose who you are? I would see the person who's doing the shouting out and think, oh, I'm going to be friends with you. <laughs> you're you're yeah. someone I want to know better. Um, you know, so I suppose it can bond too, maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, yeah, some some of those actions might isolate you from certain people, but then it might bind, bind you to others. And there's always more of the fear about us being isolated because that's a gen mm. it's a genuine threat. You know, if you're... You know, believer of evolution. You know that, or even start understanding a bit of history. You know, the the human race has, has been able to prevail so well because of our ability to work together and to work as groups and to think and reason together and, and to create things together. So, what's the you know what what's the the consequence of not being a part of that group? You know, what mm. does that mean for me? Well you know historically speaking it would mean that it would be pretty hard to get food it'd be pretty hard to stay warm it'd be pretty hard to be safe in in any respect because you don't have the companionship of other people and even though we're not we know, you know we're not fighting lions or running away from tigers or anything necessarily certainly not in the uk foxes maybe um you know we're we're not facing those threats, but they're but they're just as real, and our minds respond to them as as with an understanding that if I don't feel connected, if I don't feel part of this, then what does that may, mean me? Am I just going to be on the outside? And those are really mm. real, you know. That's a real a real concern. Mm. Um, so, you know, something I kind of want to address as well, I guess, is is this idea of boundaries. Um, and I, I talked a little bit about this at my um, my workshop at, at, at Thrive, and it's this idea about, um, and I got I got this from Dr. Gabor Mate, um, who's a, a Hungarian psychiatrist, and um, and he 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 asked the question, at what point do we um, do we start to develop boundaries? you know from us to other people and whenever you ask the audience they tend to guess a lot higher you know than like you know maybe eight or you know five or you know when we're in teenagers or even even adults everyone has quite a different opinion on it and he yeah he, he responds by saying you know if you've ever been near a a baby that doesn't want to have what you're giving it you know whether it's food or whether it's medicine or 
who wanted to brush its hair or put clothes on. The moment any of that goes near their face and they're doing this, you know, for those that can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm turning my head away vehemently yeah. because I do not want what you're giving me. So boundaries and, and, and our experience of them are there from the get-go. You know, they're, they're not something that develops later. We have boundaries and we establish them very clearly when we're younger. But as we get older, depending on our circumstances, who, who's around us, the cultures that we, you know, we find ourselves in, we are taught to unlearn boundaries. And we're taught to, in order to, to conform and to be part of this wider group, we're, we're told to, yeah, even if you feel uncomfortable, about something or something doesn't feel right to you do it anyway because otherwise you're going to be on the outside so then you mm. wrestle with the idea of do i set this boundary and create safety for me or is that boundary excluding me from from the group so it's not it's not an easy it's not an easy trade-off and i think when you know within the context of church yeah do i do i tell people i don't really want to shake shake your hand but it's lovely to see you you know or you know i just don't you know i'm happy to give the lesson because i know the lesson inside out but i just i don't i don't i'm not in a place where i feel mega comfortable bearing my testimony about about joseph smith at the end you know these are principles yeah. that i think are important which is why i'm happy to give the lesson in the first place but i don't want to be going on about heavenly father or jesus christ in this instance because i don't know how i feel about it yeah and I, I think it's it's trying new things i suppose as well to see what works and what doesn't work because you know we don't have to marry ourselves to you know one particular strategy i i guess um public service announcement if you um if you don't want to shake hands or or hug if you are clear in your mind that you don't want to do it ahead of time take a little bit of time to think about how you're going to respond to that and uh, so yeah. what I have learned from experience and what I highly recommend is keeping it you know sort of we we tend to lean into people when we're engaging um is to sort of slightly lean back have this shoulder slightly back and for women it's super super weird uh, but you know, meant it to enjoy as you're coming in and clasping a hand from underneath so rather than a handshake it's you know you can you can sort of go from underneath and then you're not having to get the hug um and you're sort of almost a clam shelling someone's hand and it's there is no hug that is happening today and if you don't want to shake hands then uh just keeping your hands firmly behind your back and a sort of a little nod as you keep moving so thinking about these things ahead of time can uh, really yeah. save a lot of frustration yeah. i'm gonna maybe come back to um boundaries here and because catherine goes on to say uh in the comments that um well, reacting to things is one part of it. The other part is not wanting to reveal to people just how much I'm struggling to maintain my belief that is falling out from under me. Oh, my goodness, that, that speaks to my soul. Um, because I feel really, really strongly that people don't have the right to know things. Uh, that, you know, if I invite you into this conversation, um, then I'm going to have to trust that you will respect where I am and that you will deal with that information responsibly um that someone isn't going to necessarily feel 
I'm going to have to speak to the bishop about my concerns. But do you know what I mean? Um, that yeah. about perfectly normal things that that people are going to respond to responsibly. Do you have any thoughts about um about you know keeping that that privacy, or should we want to to be more public about how we feel? Again, Catherine, I love really lo I love these these points are so helpful. So thank you for contributing. Um, so I, I'm going to use a slightly different example again, just to take it away from church just for a second, because mm -hmm. um, it might be a bit more palatable, um, easy to connect to. Um, you know that. So people, you know, myself included, but you know, certainly people who I know, sometimes they. Um, if they experience, you know, uh, any kind of mental health difficulties, you know, whatever it looks like, um, sometimes there there's that sense of 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 duty or an obligation, like you know, I, I want to tell people about it, and sometimes there's a, a feeling that can come up of, you know, like I wish I could talk about it, but it's just too hard, you know. But does that mean that I'm letting the side down? Does that mean I'm I'm, you know, I'm yeah, I'm not advocating for people and that I'm, you know, not a part of the solution and everything like that. And, you know, what I try to focus on in that in that instance is this idea that if, if you have a voice and that you feel that you can use it, you know, and, and, and you decide this is something that I want to dive into, that's wonderful. If, it, if you're just getting by and, and you just, you, you need to keep it to yourself, you need oh. to work this stuff out internally but you know uh -huh. you may never get to the point where you're going to open up that's fine too that there's no wrong or right ways of managing our, our experiences and if we feel safe because some you know some wards you could be mega safe you could say whatever and you know people are going to be like oh you're just great we love you you know and other ones you're going to say something and you know off with their head <laughs> it, right. it, so that so they can't they can't be by definition, a right or wrong answer for anyone. You know, if you feel, if you have the privilege of feeling safe with the people around you, hope, hope, you know, maybe you will feel more inclined. Um, so to bring it back into the church um, dynamics, you know, if you're someone that struggles with their belief about something and they really don't know how they feel about, you know, this particular topic in, in church history or, you know, whether it's about, it, you know, current stuff, LGBTQ um, issues, you know, it, it, it's, okay, I've been going to be careful with this because I'm, okay, very much acknowledging my privilege in this situation. I am not someone from that community. I, you know, I'm not a woman. I'm not, I'm, I'm the top of the, the, you know, the hierarchy of the privilege list. Um, if you feel comfortable to talk about that, that and, and you have that voice and you feel safe to do so, great. If, if you if you're not in that place you're not letting anyone down no one mm -hmm. expects you to you know be the people's champion and, and to do it you know we all we all have different different skills and different abilities and different thresholds and sensitivities we do what what's right for us at the end of the day and that's something that can often be lost in the situations we're feeling like we need to do what's right for everyone and that's you know it's a human thing. It's a very, very Mormon thing as well. I'll sacri sacrifice myself for the, for the group. You know, I'll give everything I have to make sure that everyone else is okay. But it, it's okay to start off with that, 
you know, I need to make sure that I'm I'm okay and I feel safe. Um, and if I can add to something else in in time, great. Yeah. You know, but it, there's 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 no expectation, and you're not letting anyone down if you if you don't add your voice. Can can we come to our, our beloved uh, the Brit Avengers? Daddy, Peter Bleakley. Um, <laughs> Peter says, uh, feeling uh, over-responsible for everyone else's feelings ironically ends up creating a community, meetings and lessons where no one is able to be fully honest or relax and feel good. Oh my goodness, yes, yeah. that sums up my Mormon experience. Um, should we be, you know, how responsible are we for other people's feelings? Should Do, do we need to think about that? That's a good question. Um, so it comes it comes in two parts. So one one is just the acknowledgement that we 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 live in shared spaces. So we don't need to be looking at you know a very black and white framework, which is that you know I, I even need to be super super aware of everyone, and you know and you you're barely able to make any kind of decision because you're you're having to think about literally every person in, in the room, um, but there there can be an awareness of what you know what what's what's going on around you um i'm trying to think how to had a frame and it and it's flown out of my head i'm going to relook at peter's comment i was onto something but it's just <laughs> yeah it's, it's just i guess i'm thinking a little bit about the you know the the friends who have talked about how People um, at church can feel very safe in making comments or sharing views within classes um, that I suppose in other contexts may even be considered hate speech, but you know, that they would maybe share their their views on relationships, on 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 marriage, on gender, all of these these kind of things, and feel quite empowered to do it and um, you know. We, we just kind of need to deal with it because people at church are often going there to feel comfortable and you know and safe and and have their values reaffirmed and and that's okay if that's that's how you want to engage with church and how it meets your needs but we'll also sort of feel that um people can give these views but i don't feel safe enough to give my views now where where does where does that intersect how how safe do we want to feel um that we can challenge beliefs at church how um you know should i should i be concerned about the fact that there's a, an 18 year old lady who just came out this week and this is it this is her interaction and she doesn't need to hear about my um frustrations with um the lgbtq situation in the church mm-hmm. is that tough for her is it tough for me how do we negotiate this do i need to be thinking more about other people in church sidebar i am always thinking about other people in church yeah. but yeah know what i mean yeah yeah i mean you, i don't i don't i don't imagine we can really d- divorce ourselves from that situation I think that mm. there's always um i, I suppose it, it it's useful to know that whenever we open our mouths you know we're, we're, we're going on the you know proper like culture of you know woke culture and everything like that you know my my sense for for people's difficulty with with that is that you know well I can't say anything right you know I can't you know I can't I can never vocalize my opinion because it's just gonna 
upset someone or or you know or, or something like that and i think if if we're living in a way where we understand that the words that we say have an impact on people you know and and we don't you know we don't we're not necessarily want, wanting there to be and if we're called out on it if if there's something that we've really said something that we just were not aware it's it's useful it's it, we yeah. we can you know we we grow from those experiences we yeah. learn okay maybe yeah that there's a subsection of people that i've never even thought about um and it i think it's a hard question to answer because there is no one answer there's no mm. you know it, it it's it, and I think staying away from the polarities is is actually part of the maybe part of the solution. Ultimately, is that is is it's this feeling of should, you know, mm-hmm. or that when when the word when the word should comes into our mind at any time, we need to look at that with with some element of suspicion, you know, in, in some ways because in many instances when we say should. Those are values that we have either been given to us when we were younger, or we are aware of values that are coming in from outside. And it could be that we align with those values, but it might, but we might not. So if we are having times when we're experiencing that should, which again very much happens in in these sorts of um, these cultures and contexts, the moment we start saying should to challenge why you know what is the reason do i actually believe that if i don't um you know if i don't practice my faith in this very specific way then that's going to have this kind of impact on me do i believe that or is that something yeah. that's being being handed to me um we we, we have that we have that ability you know it, it's yeah. it's there it's there with us but sometimes that that's that's one of those boundaries um where over time we kind of we can learn to just put our own thinking on the side put our brain on the side and just kind of go along with whatever whatever yeah. whatever we're told and that's not the most useful uh pls thank you so much for the super chat we really really appreciate it um i i guess where what i kind of wonder is that it seems to be the church solution i i think even it's, it's maybe in some of the handbook uh, statements that we avoid speaking about things that are controversial mm-hmm. and uh, you know we, we sort of try and encourage people to stay in the safe zones which is really difficult i think when when our faith really does live in a world where it's constantly bumping up against this um and there seems to be quite a lot of safety it's, it's sort of it's only controversial really if it's saying you know if it's if it's um saying something that might bump up against those those sort of traditional values um i i guess i just wonder what it would look like if you know because maybe maybe 99% of the time we we are doing that and, and we're just listening and we're observing and we don't because I love the idea that we don't have to respond to everything everything does not have to be my fight or or that this is someone's opinion and I've not come to church today to change it I've come to church today so that I can experience uh whatever it is I need to experience I I I am 
practicing my faith in my own way and it becomes about other people then um but if I spend 99% of church doing that and maybe there's just a thing every now and again I can say um that leads to part of what a healthier overall discussion will look like I, I guess I just would like to see church moving in that kind of way where we you just try it and see what it's like and then what it would lead to maybe is as Sarah said earlier on, one of her coping strategies is having to debrief mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Uh, we, we need to we need to talk about this. We need to talk about you know that even hearing a hymn can be really really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we come to post church strategies, um, then maybe we could talk about strategies. Uh, and there are a couple of specific places I want to go with this. Um, we, we were talking about a situation there for Catherine where she's preparing lessons. I remember being in a situation where serving was just it was just just too much in the uh, calling that I was being asked to do. So there are things that would be simple and straightforward mm-hmm. and I can very much keep in a box. There are other things like primary that were going to require me. Uh, a lot of a lot of my uh, my energy and just you know because you you can't you can't half-ass primary right you've got all of these little energy suckers mm-hmm. and when you have very little to begin with you know it's it's just not it's just not practical and it's not healthy mm-hmm. um and what working with children is something that I've been passionate about and and I and I know how to do it. But I remember preparing for church and it's starting, I would say for me it starts around about Friday night. And uh thinking I'm I'm praying these kids don't turn up today. I love these kids. They are wonder I love to spend time with these kids. But I don't want to do this, and I'm praying they're not going to go. And I had to, I spoke to the bishop, and who immediately was, we're going to, right, we're going to release you. Um, we don't like to ask to be released. Mm-hmm. We're taught that it's a negative. Could you talk a little bit about how, if we're going to, if we're going to do it, mm-hmm. how do we do it safely? And where do we think about maybe communicating that this is not healthy for me right now? Mm-hmm. to someone who may be in a position to to sort of rework that okay so i've actually come prepared with some notes of different okay. example examples that you know you might you might come across um those kinds of dynamics um i'm just going to read out what i've written and then kind of go go from there um so this is, so I've kind of titled it, you know, how to stay engaged in attending church, um, you know, as a as a non-believer or or, or not not as orthodox or, or just even a full-on believer, and, and but but trying to make things work for them as, as best and as healthily as they can. Um, so my point number one is it's okay to walk out of a lesson, meeting, prayer, song, and the building, mm-hmm. e.g. If we suddenly feel like we're going to, so, you know, for example, if we suddenly feel like we're going to vomit or faint or soil ourselves, there, there wouldn't be any question in anyone's mind that it's okay to leave the room. It's okay to go to the toilet. It's okay to go outside, get some fresh air, calm down. It is no different 
with mental health or with, you know, if there's any emotional struggles or, or tensions or triggers or anything like that, it is okay to leave. It is always okay to leave at any point. It doesn't matter whether that's a physical or a mental um, ailment or challenge. It's, it's, it's all the same. There is no difference at all. Um, if you, you know, could you imagine telling someone like, no, you have to stay like, yeah, just, just be, you know, sick on your lap and deal with it, you know, cause you don't want to, you know, you don't want the person to, who's teaching the lesson to feel like you're not that interested in the, in the mm -hmm. lesson. Like, come on, <laughs> that's, yeah. that, that's not what we're thinking in that situation. Um, let's see. Um. It's just I'm thinking of all those times as you're saying that that um you know the whole internet is preparing because uh you know on a given week it's the family proclamation week or it's it's Mother's Day or it's one of those things that tend to be a trigger for lots and lots of groups of people. Definitely. Um that yeah, the assumption is you're gonna go, you're gonna listen, you're gonna sit, and all we can leave the <laughs> I know yeah. there is a door. I know it does open, but I can avail myself of that. I, it's so funny that yeah. we do, we can to be told these things. Yeah, well, because culturally, you know, if you if you're in the if you, if you're chilling out in the the the, the corridor, you've got some. I'd probably say bloke, some guy who just like comes along and just like, oh, well, you should be in this lesson, and it's just like, well, I don't want, I don't want to be in there right now. <laughs> I'm okay, thank you. You know, and again, it's probably coming from a nice place. They're thinking, you know, well, surely you're going to feel better being in the room, and you get the chance to feel the spirit. And the, again, the intent is there, but it's not, it's not necessary. You don't need to be in there. If you're getting something from it, awesome. Yeah. If you're not, it's fine to, it's fine to not be in the room. Yeah. Um, when when my my son um who is extremely tall and has always been extremely tall and he just looks like the you know the the mutant child in primary that, that you you know how how are you even here because he was so little and he looked so 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 big um and and one of the things that we would do because it, so it was the simple act of being in just being in church in general became the trigger but um being in sacrament meeting and what everyone then has to do is we have to be reverent and we're going to be quiet but what happens when we're quiet even you know if there's hymns or reflection time during or a talk I then think and I'm thinking a lot and this doesn't feel good and and he would end up feeling very panicky and very you know very very distressed um and we would do things like, you know, we, we would take a blanket to church. He'd be, you know, sort of wrapped up. Um, and some of the most powerful experiences we had is when he needed to leave and we would practice, you know, um, how how he would do that and let me know that he needed to take some time, um, was we would meet with other people in the foyer who also needed to have that break. Mm -hmm. And the experience of seeing, you know, a, this wonderful adult uh, man who has um who has a, a mental health condition that's that's you know very, very extreme. And I've got a little boy who doesn't see a mental health condition. He sees an adult man who's pretty cool. And uh, and he's saying, Yeah, I know it's I know it's really, really difficult. It's good to be able to just come out and get a break. And he felt so validated. Um, and that was such a healthy thing to be able to do. So, yeah, for you yeah. sacred, <laughs> in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's just to not to not feel judged again. It's the implication. If yes. you walk out of a lesson, then that means that you're you're not interested in what what's being mm. said. And if you're not interested in what's being said, then that means that you must be this. And if that's the case, then you must. It just goes on and on and on. And at at what point? You know, I guess you know when I bring in my own bias and thinking about when I, you know, when when I held to the the belief in, in God and that He He understood where I was at, that would always be in constant conflict with people who was tell who were telling me how I should be a, a member and how I should behave because yeah. it's like, well, I feel like I'm okay. I feel mm -hmm. like God understands why I don't want to be at the room at the moment, and yet I'm I'm feeling this you know the oh, pressure absolutely. from someone else and yeah. ultimately it's like you know if if you believe that god is is fully fully aware of everything everything that you're going on it's you know it's okay it, it's okay to, to to step away it's okay for yeah. that for that dialogue to be between you and god you know and, and 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 exactly, and that would sound uh, heretical to some people, though. No, be, because I, because I think it can be under under undersold that you know I'm using one family example. We we we've all had our own examples. Every one of my friends, you know, mental health is is so prevalent um, today. We're talking about it like never before. And so when you see a kid who's being validated by someone who has authority. That's a wonderful thing. But also, this situation is coming about because you have a child, a little boy who is giving everything, who's been woken up in the night because his uh, brother with special needs is hitting him and he doesn't know what to do. And he has he feels responsible for the entire world, the well-being of people that he can't possibly, you know, control or has has no need to be thinking about these things, but he is, and he comes to church and hears, we have to do better. What more can we do in our families? How more? How, you know, what else could you do to show your mum how much you love her today? And I mean, it's it's horrific. Children who just need to be. Mm, uh, horrible so yeah it, it both created it and we could see some some real difficulties there and the end of our story at the moment is that if logan doesn't go to church because it's you know he doesn't find it mentally healthy for him to do so and yeah i guess that's the other question that i have for you because this is the this is i think where where our minds immediately go i feel uncomfortable in church that i you can leave right but there's um you know th there are all of these barriers to us even thinking that the assumption is i'm here and i want to stay um somebody else who is listening to what i'm struggling with would say that straight away you know my, my non-member husband will <laughs> why are you going then mm -hmm. i mean it's a no-brainer um i don't even always know why so what do we is it that that I'm constantly pushing an idea away how do we engage with that should we be engaging with that and 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 I'm asking someone who um made that decision for themselves how how did you um deal with that question so um to to share a little bit about uh, about my journey I won't belabor anyone with the, the the full details but I um as part of my journey you know i i, I became very unwell 
um, and I was struggling to see a future for myself and struggling to see, you know, how, how, how alive I wanted to be, you know, at, at the end of the day. And the conflict that I faced at the time was this idea that I, I wouldn't be given a, a trial, you know, that, that was, yes. would be too, too great for me. And I, I, I remember thinking, but if I'm at the point where I don't, I don't want to be alive anymore, at what point does that scripture come into effect? You know, if I'm already at that stage where I feel like I am at the end, I'm at, I'm at the end of my rope. I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. The, the idea if that, if I kept, if I remained in that situation and um, those, that experiences that, that, that I, I was having as a direct result of my, my faith transition, not feeling, not feeling accepted, feeling very alienated from the group, um, losing my identity, losing all these things, you know, the idea that it, it, it took to, for me to just decide, actually, if I stay here, I'm not going to be here anymore. Yeah. So I think it would be, in my case at the time, I remember thinking, well, then I can't, you know, I can't justify it. Even if it, even if I believed it were true, mm. that's the thing. I, I couldn't justify it because that it would mean the, the end of my life. And it doesn't need to be that, talking in those extremes it can, it can be simply you know in the, in the same way that when we take stock of our relationships with other people you know in in our lives whether they're romantic partners or friends or if there's if there's a toxicity that that we really feel deeply that we're experiencing we're noticing that it's impacting our mental health mm -hmm. our physical health if it's it's if we're seeing damage and damage and damage in all these different ways why why would it be that church is the only place whether it's true or not why would it be that this is the only place where we just can't go we just need to stay you know it, it despite whatever impact it's having um is a bit is a bit of a mystery to me really it, it doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me i find it hard to to get into that headspace um I know that there are th those deeply held feelings of why it's important to go to church and why we need to do whatever we can to to make it work. But in some situations where it just doesn't work for me, it just this environment, these people, these songs, these ideas about things, it just you know it it's not just doesn't just feel wrong. It feels painful. It feels like I just don't want to be near it. It's, a, it's okay to negotiate your own relationship with any group, with any person. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to think, yeah, I'm going to go to church today and then get there and think, no, no, maybe I'll try again yeah. another time, but but no, I'm going to gonna give this out. It's okay. Just, you're, you're working it out. You, you know, it, it's okay to, to negotiate your relationship mm. with with people, with organizations, there is nothing wrong with that. And again, bringing God into it, if, if you're, if you have that perspective of God that they, and in Christ, even through the atonement, you know, who, who the claim is that, that he, he absolutely to the minutest point understands our experience. The idea that that, that entity would then throw the book at us because we didn't feel capable to continue in that moment. You know that that would be a that that idea of God or Jesus is a mystery to me. It's something that I I struggle to relate to. 
but if you, if you, if if you had a physical ailment that meant you couldn't go to church for whatever reason, why is it diff- why is it different if we mm. say that my anxiety or my um, my pain, my trauma that I've experienced at church through the leaders, institutions, members, why does that mean that I have to stick around? Why is it not okay for me, for my own health, to say it will? It's going to get sorted. I still believe, but I can't be in this environment. Mm-hmm. This isn't healthy for me. It's okay to step to step back. It's okay to revisit it if you feel like it, but it's okay to step back. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we were a community that could honour that and bless that and, you know, and not have to close the door, that that's it, you've gone. That that means... That that means there is this this thing that's happened, a decision that's made, and that you wouldn't find in in, in other faiths, uh, maybe uh, that you wouldn't find in other institutions and organisations. Um, I, one of the things that I found most empowering, and I, and it, this is possibly what allows me to be in this space. I really struggle with a lack of choice. If I if I don't have any choice, um, I become very very distressed. Um, it, that that's that's the road to madness and depression for me. It's it's a horrible feeling. Um, when I realised that if I really wanted to know if me being here is right, not not that. Let me think of how to explain that well. Not that the church is true or not true. Not that discussion at all, because it almost is irrelevant. If uh, choosing to stay engaged with the church and attending is going to be something that I am going to choose to continue to do, um, then there has to be a what will happen if I don't. And I don't entirely even right now know what that will look like for me but what I do know is what I did learn and I'm certain about is that I will be fine I've got no idea how and I know that it's also it's a scary thought because I haven't been a a, a Jane who who doesn't affiliate with church this is this is a lot of you know has been so much of my life Uh, I'll be fine and as soon as I know that I have a choice, then it's then it becomes a choice. Then it's not just a, a, a sentence that I'm trapped in because, well, you made the covenant, so you, you've cho- so there is no. Um, that means that when I go to church and and I do feel anxious, um, I can choose what is right for my situation. So realistically, I. I don't, I, I think most of the audience are aware, I physically don't get to go to church because uh, I am, I, I, my, my son, who's 24, has a lot of care needs and I just physically can't get out of the house. Uh, it's, mornings are a no-go because I've been up all night and so, so church has become really, really tough. But when I live my life knowing that every week the goal is to go on a Sunday and it's never, ever every week it falls through every week it doesn't happen it's it's just it's horrible so it's not a good feeling so while we have um that sort of negativity attached to it the worst thing is is sort of thinking about 
oh my goodness, what about the week when I can go? When I remember what I'm engaging in, I don't always feel like here is a safe place to be me. Um, or here is a place where my family are safe to be them. Um, and so, and, and that happens days ahead. And so I guess what I'm thinking about is just how important community is that, that we, we have these online spaces and when we can have these discussions and these feelings are normalised and when we realise that, oh my goodness, so many people are going to church are feeling like this. And, um, church becomes, if church has become something to be survived, that's where we know we have a problem. And while we do all of this stuff and changing what is not right about the church, I am the main thing that I can focus on right now. Um, so if it means boundaries, then let's let's try them on. Um, I would also add that when you have something wonderful like like David's service that you can access, David, what's your website again that we can we can share a link to if people need to ask you Sorry. some questions and stuff. Yeah, it's um the website is uh, David Shepherd S H E P P A R D uh, Counseling dot uh, co uk. Uh, and and you're on Facebook and things and fa yeah. yeah, Facebook. Yeah. My, my email's the same. It's ds at David Shepherd Counseling dot uk. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll pull your links up. But you know, I was I was thinking about how you know if, if therapy is important and you you need to have someone support you or guide you through or, or that kind of sounding boards because you know like we're all finding so many things to process tonight and things we hadn't thought about before and um, that that's really important but I think um when your ward can't be the people you need it to be then then maybe we extend out from that that's what I find helpful and that has been maybe finding Sunstone community or Thrive community or the Brit Avengers and and so for us and and the the Brit Avengers gang will we we will have debriefs most weeks and just um you know just just to sort of process okay this is really hard and uh you know I was kind of worried they were going to throw me out today or or okay they let me in and take a picture and someone stood beside me it you know th those kind of things I think are really helpful um can I just just make please a, David yeah would, really, would you jump in yeah yeah just a really quick comment um which is that there are just like a couple of words that you used a, a couple of minutes ago which is that that feeling of being um in situations where you feel trapped you know that that there's you know that's it's one of the root you know one of the root causes of of anxiety is that mm -hmm. sense that I'm going to be in a situation that I can't get out of just really want to re-emphasize the idea that you can walk out any point yeah there's you don't have to stay anywhere if you'd like to go back that's okay too but you don't have to stay anywhere just just knowing that you know i if going to church can be a really triggering thing for you and and you're something that you're pretty really concerned about i'm concerned about this member or these people or this situation when you know that you can leave at any time any time it, it it can really help with taking some of that that built up pressure um that's there because you can leave you don't you don't have to stay yeah and and when you say that and and because i want you to say it again um that is in spite of the fact that what you're being taught and what you're engaging with is 
this is your eternity, that these these decisions, the, the decision that you're making to be here and engage in every minute detail that that involves, um, that's eternity, that you're here, you've made this choice and um, that's what it's going to look like. Meanwhile, you have this message of, well, actually, you you can leave. It doesn't have to be eternity. Yeah. You, you know that I think when the stakes are so high, it's it's all, it's everything. Or there's yeah. a group of people over there for, for for whom it's nothing. But actually, reframing it with no, you you can leave. It doesn't have to be. The the idea that you're you know, and sometimes it can feel that way, the idea that your world collapses because you decide mm. to miss a meeting. I mean, it, it, if that is actually the requirement, good grief. You know, I don't know how any, anyone of us would function. If the, if the stake was that we either did everything completely, perfectly correct, that is the only acceptable way because that's that feels very contradictory if 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 in the moment you feel as though your health your mental health your your well-being is is at risk in that in order to 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 help yourself and to heal that you need to step away for a bit for for a longer time or forever i i don't understand why that wouldn't be acceptable yeah yeah because are you going to be listening are you going to be taking things in if you're if you're sat having a panic attack you, you know it, who who benefits from that situation exactly it's so funny to be to be consistently focusing on agency and choice and actually taking that step back and reframing it helps me understand what that really is it feels like agency and choice mm-hmm. um david as we we've been here for you know for for a while are, are there any any other things that you prepared that you want to share with us? Because this is so valuable. Oh, there are, but I don't want to, uh, to to go go on for too long. I no, you, the, we've got the, time. We we yeah. are going to ask you to to come back. We 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 have something else we want to ask you to do, but uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But no, please, if you've got anything that you'd like to share, let's yeah. let's do it. I suppose that the 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 notes that I'd gotten down for just you know that that how to get through if you if you do decide to stay engaged with church and that's important to you you want to get through it um i guess to 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 sum up really is again that message of it's okay to leave at any point um you know it's okay to say no thank you to to participation involved you know in in involving in any aspect of church service whether that's taking the sacrament or saying a prayer or, or closing your eyes during a prayer or reading a scripture or a quote in lesson if you were not present, these practices would happen anyway, and not do not require him as like that. Yeah. that was quite a powerful one. I remember Lindsay Hansen Park on her Year of Polygamy podcast had talked about how when when she was engaging in church, and she chose not to sing the hymns, and it was a, an act of mourning for her. She it, there was a conscious decision uh, to do that, and and it was both a spiritual practice, an act of protest, um, just just beautiful things. I I love hearing how boundaries can look. That's so good. Yeah, boundaries are, are, are what what keep us safe, and, and they're mm. not. They don't have to be things that come from an authority. You know, our own boundaries. We are our, our own people. You know, we are entitled to set 
whatever boundaries that we feel are, are necessary and important to keep ourselves, you know, mentally and physically safe. Can I can I ask? Um, so, <laughs> uh, D- David and my son uh, are, are are good friends. David has been just so helpful in our family. Um, so, I, which is why I can absolutely recommend to check out his website and give him a chat if you do need any support. Um, but my son has a real problem with saying no and putting his needs uh, before anyone else's, and it is a real issue. And uh, you know, so if if just simple things like you know, if, if I keep talking to him uh, and there is something he has to leave to go and do, he physically can't leave the room while I'm laughing and saying, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just keep talking to you here. What's the matter? I can't." And he's like paralyzed. <laughs> So we were we were having a chat, you know, a few weeks ago um, about him practicing being able to say no or being able to say, you know, no, I'm busy if you like, but that you don't have to give a reason, but we're, we're going to start practicing this. So uh, as some of the stuff we were doing is that, you know, I will call on him. I will ask him for emergency help. It's specifically when I know he's far too busy to do it. Uh, to give him practice of you know how to say no and to feel really comfortable in it because it's fine we need to be able to do this how am I teaching my son this uh, when possibly we need more practice ourselves as a community do you have any advice on how we can get better at saying no because it's easy for us to say that saying no at church is really tough any thoughts on how we can work on that um yeah it, Come it, round to it, my house it, and I'll ask you to do it, stuff and you can say it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it goes back to that that idea, you know, showing ourselves compassion in, in that, you know, when we experience, when we experience other people that they're struggling and that we, we want to help, like it's, it's, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that feeling of wanting to alleviate suffering and to, and, you know, but there need it, it needs to come with the understanding that everything that has brought a, a person to a certain point, there are so many factors, there is so much context that brings anyone to any one decision or any situation. And if that person is struggling in that situation, it might be that you are in a position to help them. And fantastic. You know, you might be mentally well enough, you might be, you might have the finances, you, whatever it is, you may be in that position. And that is awesome. But you might not. And that person may need help. They may need support. It just might not be you that is able to support them at that time. You know, the I guess the, uh, the physical example that comes to mind, um, you know, and, it, and it's tragic. You know, the stories are absolutely awful. But when, when you hear about people, for example, if someone falls into the sea, um, or, or, you know, a, a deep river, and you know, the advice is to get help to get you know as soon as possible get the appropriate support for, for the situation because if you jump in there is a really good chance that you're just going to go down with them and you're not if you've not saved the person and you've actually you've endangered yourself as well and that impact will then impact all of your sphere so it just it turns into a catastrophe um you know part of the part of the work that that i do within counseling it's a really important part for me is to make sure that when I'm listening to what, what people are talking about and the, the issues that they have, I need to assess whether or not 
this is someone that I feel is appropriate to work with for me. Yeah. I need to make sure that um, I understand in my own mind that there are going to be things that they bring up that I have absolutely no idea necessarily in the moment how to how to deal with them. But but I can try. I can do what I can. I can support where I can. And if I need to, I can refer them to someone more specialist or I can refer them to other services. It doesn't have to be me. And it's not my mm. responsibility to fix someone else's situation. But if I can help, if I can do something, that doesn't mean that my, I'm putting my own needs on the back burner. Because that's where the, I suppose that's where it gets dicey is that idea that this other person's needs and what, you know, the help that they need is more important than our own. And part of part of living in, in a, you know, trying to live in, a, in an assertive way is that understanding that my needs and their needs are both important. How can we meet each other's needs? Is it is that possible? Do I need to bring someone else in? Do I need something else to change? Because it's not down to me to fix this. It's I can't. I can't take on the weight of the world. But if there is a little thing that I can do, you know, awesome. But I might not. That, and that's okay too. That's, that yeah. doesn't speak anything against me personally. I love that. David, thank you so much. This has been a real pleasure and so helpful. We, um, I mean, I'm going to ask him and David said a lot about saying no, but I know he's going to say yes to coming back. <laughs> We've got so many things to talk about. Um, we really appreciate this. Um, thank you so much to the honesty and vulnerability of everyone in the comments. We really yes. appreciate how yeah. you have helped shape the show tonight. Yeah, um, thank you. The Super Chats. Thank you so much. That that was that was a real treat for us to be able to see that um, that happening live. So thank you uh, for looking out for us. Um, don't forget, we've got the new website. We want you to go and check it out. Uh, see if you can break it. I, I don't know, but it's because there's things that we we are still working on that need to, that need to be done. Um, we really want you to come to the training that we're going to do the the workshop. That we're going to do um so if you would like to see safeguarding happening in your area if you want to see what's happening in the uk happening across the world and you're not entirely sure how that could happen you're not entirely sure if you want to be involved or maybe you're kind of thinking about it maybe you think there are some people that you know that might be really interested in it uh, we're working with some really great people um not just our expertise, but also um, experts from across the world who are able to um, help you see if you can, um, what, what you can bring to your area. Um, next week, we are going to be uh, back here with Ruth and Sarah. We are going to be doing a show entitled Jane, Sarah, Ruth and Barbie. So if you've been living under a rock uh, for this past few weeks and you need to go watch the Barbie movie, now's the week to do it. Um, there will be spoilers, which is just, you know, please don't, I don't do spoilers. And it's very traumatic, the thought that I could ruin a movie for anyone. There's a special circle of outer darkness for people who spoil movies. Um, and if you need us in the meantime, uh, just, just let us know. Now, if you want to know more about David's work, um, we will put a link in the show notes. Uh, again, he's over on Facebook and he has his website. Uh, David, do you want to shout out what your website is again? Yeah, it's uh, David Shepherd Counselling uk um yeah facebook uh, instagram as well and 
Yeah, please. Perfect. Please get in touch. And and yeah, and so even if you want to reach out with with any questions, uh, David, if he can't help himself, he can certainly point you in the right direction. So with that, thank you so much for for being with us tonight. Uh, see you guys who are hanging out in the chat. See if you're over Mormonism live later on. It will be great to see you there. And for you all, have a good night. See you next week. Take care. Thanks, Jane.